Good evening or good afternoon, depending on where you're joining us from. Uh, I'm Dan LeBlanc, Portfolio Manager and Founding Partner at WLWP. And it's my pleasure to welcome you all to today's presentation on ethically focused investing and to introduce you to our presenters. Now, socially responsible investing is not a new concept. It's been around for quite a while, but in recent years, it has become far more mainstream. Unfortunately, until very recently, many of the investments that were available were things we could not, in good conscience, recommend to our clients. After all, our primary objective is to ensure that you achieve your financial goals. And many of these existing opportunities didn't come close to meeting our standards in that regard. Perhaps more distressing to us was watching people place their money in questionable investments believing that they were living up to a socially responsible promise, while we knew that wasn't the case. We recognized the need to provide a better solution, one that we could stand behind from both an investment perspective and in its ability to meet the personally held values of our clients. Excuse me. After a lot of hard work by our investment committee, we've come to a place where we can recommend a socially responsible portfolio, what we refer to as ethically focused investing. And now I'll pass the virtual podium to my fellow partners and portfolio managers, Colin White and Josh Shellick. And joining Colin and Josh today are associate portfolio managers, Ainsley Mackey and Laura Whiteland. They'll walk you through the concept of ethically focused investing, the history of the movement and our portfolios, all while providing an honest and transparent overview of what it means to invest in an ethically focused manner. So over to you, Josh. Thanks, Dan, and thanks again to everyone for joining us today. We're really excited for this topic and uh, excited to, to introduce Laura and Ainsley for those of you who haven't met them yet. Uh, of course, uh, you've probably heard from Colin and I over the past 15 months if you've attended any of these webinars in the past and thinking, ah, well, I don't want to hear from those guys again, which is why we have Laura and Ainsley here. So. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So Dan kind of introduced the concept here that the topic ethically focused investing. And as he mentioned there, we've actually come up with an ethically focused and ethically dedicated investment portfolio for our clients. Now, this doesn't replace what we've been doing in the past with our traditional investment approach, but it kind of runs in parallel to that. So uh, we are not making automatic switches of people from a, a traditional approach to one that is strictly ethically focused, but this is an, now an option for our clients if it's something that, that is really a priority for them. And we're going to take you through today what our philosophy is, what we've seen from the, the ethical investment space over the past couple of years in terms of its uh, maturity and how things are progressing on that front. Ainsley and Laura have been integral to this, this process of coming up with an ethically focused portfolio. Colin and I have been involved, uh, of course, as is Dan, um, at a higher level, but Laura and Ainsley have really been immersed in it up to their neck. So Colin and I will give you a bit of an appetizer today and, and Laura and Ainsley will, will really take you through uh, the meat and potatoes of everything. So first, as is our tradition, Colin, how about so, some good news? Well, thanks, Josh. For those who are not following the Uganda news very closely, this is actually big, big, big news. They, 
Now, I was really hoping that drones were going to be first used to deliver cold beer to me, but this is a way better use of the technology because they are struggling in many parts of Africa with infrastructure and also having an AIDS outbreak that they're still having challenges dealing with. So these drones now have a range up to 150 kilometers and they can deliver important medications to very remote, very remote areas. This is huge, huge important news. It's a wonderful use of a new technology addressing a real problem in the world that nobody's talking about and I think we should take a second to say congratulations Uganda. The next one is a little bit more topical, so I'm told by my all my son chess has become popular again and in that vein there is a 10 year old in new york who has become the u.s champion at chess now as long as he doesn't know that computers really take, have taken the sport over and he just stays in the human side he's got an interesting career ahead of him because he's now climbing up the global ranks so i'm hoping the next story we hear about this this wonderful prodigy is that he's become a national champion or an international champion i should say but we're going to get right into the trade-off between values and money. Josh, do you want to take it from here? Yeah, that's right. So we're going to do our best to provide a balanced opinion on the ethically focused space uh, when it comes to investing today. And one of the first things you'll see here is there's a bit of a balance between sort of your financial goals and your social values. In our industry, we love our, our TLAs, our three-letter acronyms, and there have been a lot of them thrown around as it relates to ethically focused investing. ESG is probably the most prominent. That's environmental, social, and governance. And this means that the fund or manager or the investment, whatever is managing the money, is looking to determine if that investment is suitable for the portfolio based on their approach to environmental concerns, social impact, or, or governance. Another one that's often thrown out there, acronym that is, is SRI. And depending on who you ask, this might stand for sustainable and responsible investing. It may stand for socially responsible investing, but at the, the crux of it, there's some type of positive social impact that these investments are making or sort of an absence or, or an avoidance of a negative social impact. So these two terms often used interchangeably, SRI and ESG, but there's so many more and they're all marketing terms, carbon-free, impact investing, green investing, low CO2, probably 15 others that I haven't recited here. If all of this sounds a bit vague and a little bit money, it, muddy, it's because it is. You know, these are all marketing labels. And when you really peel back some layers of the onion, they're not necessarily delivering on their marketing promise. So that's part of what we're here to do today is sort of give you a look under the hood. Well, and the reason it's muddy is because human beings use things. So the part of the human condition is we consume. Therefore, it's difficult for us to be like a complete neutral when it comes to the so let, let, let's take the example of, of, of native drinking water issues up north a company comes out today and they solve safe drinking water on all of the all of the areas that are having a problem with that in canada i would judge that as being tremendously socially positive but it would be very easy for an environmental group to go in and say but they did that by tapping into an aquifer and therefore they've used up a fresh water supply that's not replaceable, therefore they, they would score badly. So there is always the potential for a little bit of a trade-off and it's very, very personal as to how you judge that. Now, we've come up with the ethical focused investing as kind of our, our catchphrase for, for how we're putting this together. 
But at the end of the day, the individual investor is going to get to make the choice as to what is really important to them, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and that's per, that's a personal choice. We'll describe today how we arrived at the, the, the particular you know, Venn diagram of, of everything that we came together with and, and share that with you. So, so we're gonna go to the poll. Sorry, I missed, I missed the poll, Josh. Launch the poll. Good stuff, yeah. Speaking of choices, we have a question out there for everybody. What does ethical or socially responsible investing mean to you? And Colin was describing the nuance of this. There is trade-offs. There can be you know, different opinions on the same topic. It's not very clear that uh, everybody, that one thing is ethical. One thing might be ethical to, to one person, uh, but not another. So um, that's the challenge here. And, and Colin, you know, you've, you've been through this uh, a little bit before with different people. What are you expecting to see here with the results? Well, I'm still in shock over the you know, the last time we ran this poll, Josh. I was devastated by the outcome because people's expectations are, well, they're awful tough to live up to. They're putting a lot of pressure on us. So I'm kind of curious to find out, you know, whether this group's going to be easier on us. <laughs> and you're going to be really disappointed, Colin, because everybody said that it's number four, all of the above. So uh, oh, not any on. easier, not, not any easier on us, that's for sure. You can't have it all. Jeez whiz. <laughs> All right, listen, for the record, I want to start the whole the whole idea with this. Our primary job is to help you meet your financial goals. That's why we're in your life. We're your math people. We're here to help you meet your financial goals. Having said that, we are also responsible for taking your personal preferences into account as much as is possible. So this is us kind of offering a little bit of an olive branch, meeting you as far as we think we can down the road, with giving you something that still is going to have the probability of reaching the financial goals that are important to you and giving you a little bit more of the ethically focused side. Right, so it's important that we can all, you and us, we can look ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day and say that yes, we're, we're doing something that's, that's effective. Um, and so investing in, in your money in something that is, is green but doesn't meet your financial objectives, well, that's not going to work for us. And that's why that slide earlier, it had a balance. You know, we need to be able to balance your financial objectives with your social values. And that's why it's taken us a little bit of time to come up with this ethically focused portfolio, because it hasn't been easy to find investments that deliver on both of these, both of these fronts, both the, the financial side and the, the social side. Dan kind of mentioned it at the outset there, a lot of the investments that are out there were failing on one or both of these fronts, which is, is kind of sad when you look at a green investment and is, it's not actually that green when you, when you look under the hood. So just to give you an example of how challenging this has been, I was talking to a portfolio manager a few weeks ago and he told me that the ESG space today, in his mind, is all about the E or predominantly about the E, that's the environmental aspect of things. And certainly when we talk to people, that's what they're most, most concerned about, most focused about, most focused on. But his other point was that the E focuses mostly or 100% on carbon and CO2 emissions and greenhouse gases. And there's a whole lot more to environmental sustainability than just carbon and, and what we're putting into the air. You know, his comment was, well, you can dump as much pollution as you want into the ocean, but you can't 
emit any carbon or else uh, you know that's a no-no so this type of, of thing has been it's been tough for us to find something that's delivering on what we think you should be expecting what we are expecting ourselves from a socially responsible portfolio so we needed to go deeper and just to be clear if you're investing in our traditional portfolios does not make you evil like this is this is not a truth a choice between good and evil dark and light you know that's not what we're talking about and we'll mention it later but traditional investing traditional companies are working towards making the world a better place because we all live on it and there's a whole bunch of really good reasons for it it's just not moving at a fast enough pace for some and that's kind of where we're trying to live with this offering Ainsley, you're muted. I apologize. No, no worries. Holy. <laughs> Colin, you're right. In fact, most investors are already invested in companies who are making great strides in changing the world for the better. The changes might not always be flashy, but companies are evolving as ethical and sustainability considerations become more important. Companies are well aware that scandals are bad for business, and the market can reward them for implementing sound ESG policies and behaving accordingly. And despite what we see on the news sometimes, humanity is for the most part striving for positive change. Yeah, and as Colin said, you don't need to invest in pure evil to make money in the market. That's really not how the world works. But we do know that some clients are willing to compromise their financial goals to meet their ethical considerations. And this can look different for everyone. On one end of the spectrum, donating money to a cause that you care about can be an excellent way of supporting them. But on the other side, not doing anything and just hoping things are going to get better isn't likely to cause a lot of impact. So what we're trying to aim for is the middle ground between progress, but also meeting your financial needs. So let's take a look at what that compromise could look like. There could be times when an ethical portfolio is going to show negative returns while everybody else is enjoying positive returns. That's the reality. There are also times when the ethical portfolio may do better than the other traditional portfolios. That too can be a thing. But if you reduce the number of options that you are choosing to take part in from an investment perspective, it is rational and reasonable to expect that over a long period of time, your performance is not going to be as strong. And that can be material over a period of time. The level of materiality depends on your plan. So when we sit down and work with you and just determine whether or not the assets that you have in place are going to be enough to meet your objectives for your own life, then we can talk about is there room here to accept a lesser rate of return in order to accomplish some of these other goals. So the answers to whether or not this really matters a lot is very individual. Like that's a very personal thing. And part of our job is to sit and work with you to say, yes, this is something that you know can fit within your world, doesn't fit within your world, or it's going to change the balance of power a little bit but there's not necessarily going to be a definitive answer to that question. It's one of those things that's a little bit nebulous. So we're going to put, throw up a chart here. Unfortunately, we've been right, and we didn't want to be right like this. Uh, since we've launched, we've actually seen a fairly dramatic underperformance of our ESG portfolio compared to a more traditional portfolio. The interesting thing for me was, and I, I really did find this interesting, is on this next slide, we're going to add a third line. This third line is a line that represents what we call growth investing. 
in the investment industry, we tend to categorize things. We love to categorize things. Josh loves to categorize things. So if we took a basket of what companies would be described as growth companies, and typically these are younger companies, earlier in the life cycle, they're trying to grow something, i.e. the name. We take a look at the performance of that category, you know, you start to see a similarity. It's like, you know what, growth investing seems to be a fair amount like the ESG portfolio, and that stands to reason. There's a correlation and there's a causal relationship there. It's reasonable to expect that if you're focusing on the ESG space, this is a newer space, these are younger companies, less proven, less of a track record, it's gonna behave a little bit like that. How'd I do, Josh, did I do okay? Yeah, you kind of nailed it there, Colin. Just to emphasize a couple of the points there that, that Colin went over, sometimes an ethically focused portfolio will outperform, sometimes it will underperform. Our expectation is that when you eliminate companies for non-economic reasons or potential investments for non-economic reasons, your results get slightly worse. That doesn't mean that it's catastrophically worse. We're talking about slightly and we're talking about maybe. So we're talking about marginal differences. Now, we are not often as right or so right so quickly. This kind of happened right off the bat, but it, it helps demonstrate um, the point that we're making in terms of what we've experienced over the last three or four months here. So it's not something for you to run away from just because things might be a little bit different than a more traditional investment approach, but it is something that you need to be aware of and something that you need to be prepared for. Now that said, you need to be able to prioritize social and environmental goals over financial to some extent to be comfortable with this approach in the, in the short term at least, right? And it's simply, again, you're reducing your investment options, you're reducing your pool of potential investments. Our thoughts are that that leads to slightly worse outcomes over time. Um, so I guess coming back, for those of you who do prioritize ethically focused investment themes and you're comfortable saying, you know what, if I'm sacrificing a little bit on, on the upside, I'm okay with that, we do have options for you. So Ainsley, Laura, I'll pass it over to you, take it away. Thanks, Josh. ESG or social in pardon me, ESG or social investing has come a long way in recent years. A solid argument can now be made that companies and investments that prioritize ESG principles are better positioned for long-term financial success. Investor demand has also fueled more refined ethical investing approaches and products. Laura, do you have a bit more to add? Yeah, so what we're trying to do is provide ethically focused options for folks that uh, want their investments to reflect how they feel around social responsibility. But if you come talk to us and are looking for financial advice, we need to be able to have a candid conversation with you around risk and reward. We also need to have a conversation around your ethical considerations because it's a profoundly personal journey. We know that any option we provide isn't going to be perfect for everybody, but what we can do is provide an option that does give greater consideration to environmental and social issues without completely abandoning your financial goals. So after months of hard work from the whole team, and this is where I'm gonna plug the team thing. This is not something an individual advisor could pull off on their own by any stretch of the imagination. I will take credit for all the work that has been done, but none of it's mine. Well, maybe a little bit of it. 
uh, we've been able to put together what we feel are our best option in this space, something that we're going to be comfortable sitting down and reviewing with you a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So we've been able, we feel we've been able to, to come up with something that's real. Yeah, again, I just want to, I said this at the outset, but I know we had people trickling in. We haven't completely replaced our traditional approach to, to investing or to building a portfolio. We still have that in place. And for those of you who have, have used that approach in the past, that's still the approach that we're using today. We're introducing this as a second option for those people who are very focused on the ethically sort of dedicated and socially responsible part of the world. And it's not like with these two uh, approaches, we've completely revolutionized our, our investment process. It's still the same core process. We're still focused on the same characteristics when we're looking for investments. That's what's the return potential? What's the downside? What's the risk? What have the historical results been like? Is this sustainable going forward? How does that fit with other investments in your portfolio? The only thing that we've really done is introduced a new layer. We've historically done all these things, looked at things qualitatively and quantitatively in terms of what financial results we can get from something. Today, we're also introducing a second layer to our ethically focused portfolios where we focus on that investment's ability to deliver on their socially responsible promise as well. And looking, is that repeatable? Is that sustainable? Yeah, as Josh said, really the portfolios we've put together are designed almost exactly the same as the traditional, except you're adding the ESG components to them. So you're going to have the same um, makeup diversified by geography, asset class, style, exactly the same as our traditional portfolios. You still are still going to get the same sort of due diligence and monitoring as the traditional portfolios. This includes six months reviews with the fund managers, and we have the freedom to make changes if they're no longer meeting those ethical or investor return expectations. So we're going to head to the polls again because this is a really important question and I think we'll get some, some more uh, different answers this time. Launching the poll here. So do you believe that there are very strict rules that individuals and firms offering responsible and sustainable investments must follow when they apply to their selections? Colin, I'll throw it back to you again. What, do you, what are you thinking here? Well, it's a huge. I think it's a hugely important question, and I think this is something that is is the cornerstone of, of, of this whole issue. You know, because if there was or if there is this wonderful you know on-off switch to to label things, that would make this so easy. So we did get different results than uh, than we did when we got this earlier today, but. I'm going to share the results here for, for our audience. And the majority of people think that this is false. So interestingly, earlier today, we had about a, a two-thirds, one-third split in terms of most people thinking that this comment was false, but uh, definitely uh, a decent chunk of people out there who think that this is true. And I don't know if this is, is a good or a bad thing, but I, I will break you the news. There are no strict rules. There are no consistent guidelines. There are no universally accepted principles to differentiate an ethical investment from one that's not focused on that. So this makes the selection process, our jobs, very challenging and your job very challenging as well if you're trying to, to identify something that, that fits the mold for you. 
the way that we've approached this, we're not going to pick individual companies that, that we think are ethically focused. We're not going to end up with a portfolio of you know, 12 solar panel companies and 15 electric vehicle companies. Instead, what we've focused on is looking for mutual funds or exchange traded funds where they have a dedicated focus to ethically or socially responsible investing. Because quite frankly, it takes a tremendous amount of time to look at one business one time. Nobody, no financial advisor has the manpower to be able to review these companies on a regular basis to determine that they are on a consistent basis acting ethically, living up to their, to their standards. So these mutual funds, the, the managers, the professional managers that we've employed, they have teams that spend 100% of their time doing nothing else but reviewing companies to determine if they are indeed acting ethically, living up to their socially responsible promise. And there's a lot for these mutual fund managers to think about, right, Laura? Absolutely. So when we start looking at you know what makes a socially responsible or ethical investment, we needed to apply a bit of a screen from our own perspective and bring a little bit of a philosophy uh, to it. So obviously environmental concerns are important. So any companies that, that are looked at by these managers, we want to make sure that manager has a process for vetting environmental policies. We want to make sure that they have a concern for human rights, that the companies they're investing in are concerned about employee diversity and also including um, treating their employees well. Uh, we want to make sure that they're focused on how they uh, act in the communities that they manufacture out of, how they employ out of, who they sell to. Uh, and also we have kind of that extra consideration that we really didn't want to have energy companies in there, you know, being fossil fuel free um, is a huge consideration for a lot of people. So that's another screen we look at. So as we kind of take that lens that we, we screen through, um, there's a few different tools in our tool belt as to how we build a portfolio out of that. And Needs is going to talk about that now. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, so there's definitely a broad spectrum of approaches that are used uh, to meet ESG goals. These approaches can range from very basic screening to investing to make a measurable impact. We find most commonly, if there's a combination of approaches used, it's more likely that the investment is going to align with the investor's ethical beliefs. And the very most simplest version of, of a screening, I guess, would be the exclusionary screening. So in this instance, um, ESG is added to the investment by excluding something that is referred to as bad. Quite often, it's companies, sectors, or countries based on ethical or moral or religious, or pardon me, religious beliefs. This can include exclusions on fossil fuels, tobacco, weapons, and alcohol. Um, some investment companies, unfortunately, they use screening um, to really just hop on the ESG bandwagon. They're greenwashing their product um, by trying to attract people who are newly into ESG and ethical investing, not realizing that. The screening really does nothing and doesn't keep out the really bad companies. Um, and as Laura did mention, we did use fossil fuel as a, as a screening method to really um, weed out the very first of the uh, no investments on our ethical portfolio. If they did have no um, fossil fuels, then we were comfortable digging deeper. Laura, could you expand on some of the other approaches to ethical investing? Yeah, so I guess if, as we step up to kind of the next level of sophistication here, we have application of ESG criteria. So what that means is using 
um, scoring systems, ESG methodology, which is usually based on companies' own uh, disclosures. So here, you know, if you've uh, ever looked at Morningstar, you might have heard of a Morningstar, you know, five-star fund. Well, now there's Morningstar Five Globe Sustainability Funds. Uh, so they are basing that entirely on sort of the use of these ESG um, methodologies. So they're not necessarily digging under the hood. They're not necessarily challenging the companies on any of this information. They're just using what's sort of provided by the company itself. There's not a lot of additional due diligence on top of that. So you're going to get something, you know, maybe with a little more consideration, but it's not necessarily going to catch anything. You know, one of the examples we've seen, you know, Volkswagen scored very highly as a very ethical company right until we found out they were lying about their emissions the whole time. So as we move kind of up to that next level of consideration, uh, we'll see shareholder uh, engagement. Um, so here's where you know, we start to see the, the fund managers actually directly engaging with companies. So when you buy into a mutual fund, the underlying stocks that are purchased generally provide voting power, which allows the fund manager to directly influence and, and work with companies either through shareholder um, initiatives by directly voting or just by their you know, general engagement. When you, know, you own two or 3% of a company, the CEO is probably going to take your phone call. Um, so that allows them to directly work with companies and actually improve on some of these things. So this is where you'll see maybe not companies that are as perfect as you might want them to be now, but are actively working towards it. Now, the trouble is finding companies that, um, or sorry, fund managers that have a solid track record in actually accomplishing anything in this space. You know, a lot of fund companies out there will say that, hey, we do shareholder engagement, but they can't actually point to anything that's actually changed because of their activism. So going to that next level and finding who's actually been successful in it, narrows the pool dramatically. So the area of ethical investing that I find the most interesting is thematic investing. In this situation, portfolio managers are looking for businesses or solutions that are related to or likely to benefit from a shift to a more sustainable world. Investment themes include energy efficiency, waste management, water solutions, health and well-being, food and pardon me, food sustainability and green infrastructure. These opportunities for innovation and positive change are huge. The pandemic has really hit home that resources are finite. And I will mention that we, even when we were doing the initial research, there were some um, portfolio managers who were already looking at companies that were providing alternatives to wood. And with this latest lumber price skyrocketing, it really has made those alternative building products, um, such as fully recycled uh, composite siding and the use of hemp building blocks in construction has increased the demand substantially. So consumer demand, changing in the markets and the opportunity to improve the world as we're, in, as we're growing, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, investors, Obviously, they're going to be a little bit more excited about thematic investing because they can see themselves and their money as being part of the solution. But we want to keep in mind that this type of investment should only make up a small portion of your portfolio. There's a very limited investment scope, which makes the investment less diversified and potentially more volatile than other ESG offerings. Laura, would you like to expand on the last type of um, ESG spectrum? 
Absolutely. So impact investing is very similar to thematic investing. It's really thematic investing turned up to 11. So here's where you're going to see you know, very similar um, areas that you know, you're going to see sustainable agriculture, you're going to see green energy. Um, but where thematic investing is looking at sort of the broader topics of sustainability, impact is looking for companies and organizations that are directly engaging in either technology or new initiatives that are maybe less tested, but are trying to move the needle on some of these projects. So uh, an example of this might be uh, a company that's developing new turbines for a wind energy, um, for a wind uh, energy turbine. So where the wind farm itself might be more thematic investing and a little bit more of a stable investment, we don't necessarily know if this turbine is going to work out. Is it going to go to market? So there's an inherent volatility there that though this is probably, you know, the most attractive from an ethical standpoint, because you're kind of really getting ahead of things, you're getting to directly, as the title goes, impact to these, uh, these companies, you're really putting a lot on the line as far as volatility and risk to your capital. So this is generally part of thematic investing, and it's something that we try to very much we want to include it because it does have that sort of very ethical component, but because of the inherent volatility, we want to make sure that it's managed, considered, and obviously offset as much as uh, we possibly can. Right, so, so that's a really good summary of what we're looking for, uh, both in the ESG space and the tools that we've used to get there. I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is that the ESG space has really matured and it's still maturing. It's, it's kind of like in its teenage years right now, I've been describing there are some traits that you can see developing that are really promising, really special, but you kind of have to dig through some of the stuff that's not so, so great to get there. And there's still a lot of room for, for improvement in the offerings that are out there. And I, I think what we're trying to emphasize here is this is a, it's a process. It's, it's not that we're already at our end goal. You don't just invest in our ethical portfolio or any ethical focused investment and, and just like sit back and think, wow, that's great. I'm, I'm now up so ethical. Uh, I'm kind of done. It, it's not perfect. Uh, you know, every one of the, the 50 or some odd people on this call will look at some of the underlying investments and question some things that are in there, question why that makes up 1% of the portfolio or question why something else makes up 1% of the portfolio. We're ethically focused through and through with this, but there is subjectivity involved with anything uh, that comes with, with shades of gray, like we've been talking about. And I'll, I'll leave you with a, a story to explain uh, some of these shades of gray. Mining generally thought of as not so ethically or environmentally focused. Um, also, fossil fuels, not so environmentally uh, friendly. But we need lithium, which is mined, to be able to power electric vehicles, to get rid of fossil fuels powering electric vehicles. So we really need to have these, these mines that are disruptive to environments, mining lithium to be able to offset some of the carbon emissions and fossil fuel emissions that we've been seeing across the planet over, over many decades now. So one person may look at that mine and say, well, you know what, this is not environmentally friendly, but another one will look at it and say, you know what, we really need that mine because that's how we're going to make progress with these electric vehicles. So uh, a lot of nuance, a lot of shades of gray with, with everything that we're doing here. 
what we think we've done is we've filtered through the offerings that are out there to find the select few that, that best create portfolios that balance your desire to invest in a way that's truly ethical, but also meet your investment needs. And not perfect, not without risks, but an approach that, that we feel comfortable that we can put our names behind. So just to clarify for those out there, when Josh refers to this as being in the teenage years, it's not the unmitigated dumpster fire that can be raising a teenager. This is more of like the good, good, well-behaved teenager that's making progress towards a better spot in their life, more that teenager, just to be clear, because I do know there's people out there who have raised teenagers and that would alarm them if they're investing in a teenager. Listen, this is the, the worst sales job on the history of sales jobs, because this is exactly how we feel about it. This is nuanced. We don't want to portray this as anything different. But if you, you know, think that you know, a greener planet is really important to you and you're willing to make a little bit of a sacrifice for it, it's going to help you sleep at night, yeah, well, we kind of have one. Yeah, that was the big finish. So uh, we can throw this to questions if we have any questions. I don't know the little buttony thing here. Uh, should we give the, Josh, you want to describe how they can ask a question? Is it just click on the question-y thing? Yeah, so you should have a sidebar somewhere on your screen that uh, gives you a few options and there should be a drop down that allows you to, to input a question there. There's also potentially a chat feature there. You can use either the questions or the chat and send us a, a question if you'd like. Now, one question that's that's already come across and we are investing in mutual funds as, as I mentioned before. Laura, I'm gonna ask you this to start. How can we be sure that a mutual fund is not going to invest in something that is not socially responsible or not ethically focused as a business? Well, we can't guarantee that it's always going to meet every person's exact definition of what's ethical. Uh, what we've really found is working with fund managers that have a sincere commitment to environmental and social issues uh, translates out a lot better than rules-based systems. Um, I mean, most of the sort of early drop-offs when we were researching this were those more rules-based where you might see okay, we're not gonna have any mining in here, or we're not gonna have any oil companies, but then you dig under, you look, as soon as you look under the hood, you find you know, some other issue, or really it's not that different from uh, you know, a benchmark, which um, just kind of goes to show that some fund companies are really willing to just sort of slap green on the side of something and, and send it out the door uh, in hopes of getting assets. So we really kind of come back to that, you know, as long as the manager has a process that we can understand and they have that sincere commitment, uh, we know that most of the investments are going to be putting in there are, even if they might not sound perfect, there's usually an underlying reason as to why it passed their ethical screening. Well, and then Laura, you know, I'm not sure you're with me, but uh, I had the experience of going and sitting in on one of the presentations from a green investment uh, product at one point. And being the kind of guy that I am, I went through the list of investments they were, were presenting and there was a coal mining company included. So I put my hand up because that seemed odd to me and I said, how do you put a coal mining company in, 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 a, in an environmentally friendly fund? How does that work? It's, oh, well, it's one of the cleanest coal mining companies. Okay, well, that, I guess that's an answer. Um, I'm not sure that's what people were expecting when they invested money in your fund. So, so these are the kinds of wrinkles and nuances you run across. Uh, when you're looking at these products. And this is why where we've spent some time to try to put together something that, to the best of our ability, represents something that's real. Right, and uh, just to reiterate, the portfolio that we've put together is fossil fuel free, fossil fuel free, a bit of a tongue twister there. And Ainsley, we're 
correct me if I'm wrong, but we're reviewing the mutual funds and underlying portfolios on a regular basis, right? It's just not a set it and forget it type of approach. That's correct. So the ethical um, investment committee, we meet every two weeks and then we do every six months reviews with the actual portfolio managers of the funds that we have selected. And we always keep an eye out for new opportunities because as the ESG environment does um, evolve, there are more and more opportunities. So we are always on the lookout. Yeah. So another question coming through here, and I'll throw this one right back at you, Ainsley. Does your system have a way of ruling out companies that produce guns, ammunition, and bombs? Some of the ex exclusionary screening that you, you've been talking about, and how often are these companies assessed? So, Laura, you might be able to help out a bit with Morningstar on that. Um, I, I know a lot of the funds that we do use, they are screened through Morningstar, and they have um, very clear definitions that they don't have those investments involved. Um, we don't typically go through every holding fund, uh, holding by holding of the fund because there could be a large list of them. Um, but Laura, can you expand on Morningstar perhaps with how the rating system is? Yeah, so we are able to look into you know sector by sector. Um, we are able to pull up the entire list um, through Morningstar Direct of the total holding list. All the funds we have right now do have some basic exclusionary screening, and that would include weapons. Um, weapons, uh, alcohol and tobacco, uh, some have included cannabis. So there is basic screening going on there uh, at sort of a high level. Um, where we've kind of tried to push further is, is finding funds that kind of go that next level beyond that, but there would there is still that screening in place. Yeah. And you gotta be a little bit careful because this is kind of where it all goes into the ditch too, because you know, these huge multinationals have all kinds of divisions that do all kinds of things. So Bombardier would have a, a defense division. Intel sells uh, computer chips to guidance manufacturers. So, you know, and this is where it gets to be a real personal choice. You know, there can be a screen so that the, you know, the, the company that actually produces the final weapon is excluded. But if that's just a small you know, wing of a global multinational, it may be a little more, more tough to actually pick that out and, and properly rule on the, the, you know, what that investment is. So, yeah, you like to think that nobody on the list does anything to do with weapons, but you got to be careful. That's, that, that could be a pretty broad brush and can eliminate a lot of companies that you wouldn't quite suspect. Yeah, depending on each company, again, because there isn't any set rules to this, each company kind of gets to set their own threshold for how much of the business is involved in any of these activities. So where you might say, well, 100% of this shouldn't be invested in, you're involved in weapons, um, they might set a, you know, a 20 or 30 or 40% of the business threshold to classify it as a weapons company or a tobacco company. Um, so yeah, conglomerates can fuzzy the waters very quickly. Well, and Jane Fonda would tell you that the Canadian banks are all fossil fuel companies because they invest in pipelines. Therefore, you shouldn't invest in any Canadian bank because they're all fossil fuel based. Everybody has an opinion. Wow, that was a long answer to like a seemingly short question. <laughs> and Josh didn't even talk. Josh wants to say more, but he doesn't want to spend any more time on this question. Yeah, I think we could we could probably tackle this one question in its own webinar, but uh, I think we <laughs> so. Doesn't look like we're showing any more questions on the line right now, but if you do have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us directly, reach out to anybody from the team, 
anybody would be happy to, to help you out or uh, feel free to drop us a line at the email address that you see on the screen there. Um, Colin, you wanna wrap it up? Sure, thanks for coming out. And again, there's not only the members that have presented today on the team, everybody within our group uh, attends our, our weekly uh, PM meeting. So everybody on the team is up to speed on this. And if you ask any of them a question and they get stumped, we'll turn to somebody else and get you an answer. So feel free to reach out to any of us to discuss your personal circumstance. And if you've got questions and want to consider making this kind of change, reach out and start the conversation. The phones are standing by. Thanks, everyone. Have a great evening. You've done well and you feel set up for retirement, but you can't help but feel like there are aspects of your financial plan that just haven't been addressed. Maybe there's money left on the table, a tax efficiency or opportunity for growth that isn't being properly managed. Doesn't hurt to check. Sticking with eh, it's good enough wealthplanning.com or .ca isn't going to do you any favors. Call us for a better opinion. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth Inc. IA Private Wealth Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth Inc. operates.